1: Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. Today we're interviewing a partner in a CPA firm whose practice focuses on privately held companies. We're going to talk about how to prepare your financials for a future sale. But before we meet her, I'd like to thank and feature our show sponsors, JAK CPAs and Sunbelt Business Advisors.
2: Many business owners planning a business transition often feel overwhelmed and don't know where to start. I'm Kyla Hansen, a partner at JAKCPAs. We can guide you to make sense of the numbers and the tax pieces of your transition. Leaving your business successfully takes time, so contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at www.jakcpa.com
0: you give your business everything but now you have a decision to make should you grow or go every business owner will exit their business someday it's a big personal and financial decision the best business owners know what their business is worth and they know their options sunbelt business advisors can help you understand what your business is worth now and how to net the most when you sell and if your business isn't ready for sale we will show you how to get it ready Here's the best part. Sunbelt gets paid when you get paid at the closing table. And if you aren't ready to exit your business right now, but you want to know what your company is worth, Sunbelt will meet with you for no charge, no cost, no commitment, absolutely confidentially. So whether you're ready to go or still working on your grow, meet with Sunbelt now. The world's largest business brokerage firm is ready to help you. Call 612-455-0880, 612-455-0880. That's 612-455-0880 or go to sunbeltminnesota.com, sunbeltminnesota.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Kyla Hansen, partner at JAK CPAs. Kyla, welcome to the Poise for Exit show.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: It's good to have you here. You are also a VIP for us here at Poised for Exit as one of our distinguished show sponsors. We're really yeah. glad to have you and we appreciate your support.
2: Yeah, thanks for allowing us to help out.
1: Absolutely. And I know that um you're kind of getting into the throes of busy season, right?
2: It is upon us. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, and I wasn't sure what to expect, but so far clients are getting their info in and we're we're off and running.
1: Well, good. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting across from you here at the studio and I don't see your hair on fire yet. So
2: <laughs> 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 But Not it's, yet. it's coming around the corner, right? <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: Yikes. All right, well, before we get into the questions, I would like to just have you share with our audience a little bit about your background and how you decided to become a CPA.
2: Oh, boy. Oh, my background. I went to college. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I thought anything but business related (laughs) and went through a series of majors and I took my first accounting course and I just fell in love with the debits and credits and it all balanced. I just knew that that was for me. So um, Interesting. that's how I got on the CPA path. Um, and then I I first went to a firm out in Green Bay. I thought I'd, you know, go to a new city, try something new. There for a couple of years, but I'm from Minneapolis. So I came back and found my home at JAK. Wow. Yeah.
1: So you've been there for a while. How long have you been there? Oh, gosh.
2: 17 years, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah.
1: A, that's amazing. And you have children at home and during, you know, this last year or so, you've had them at home because of the pandemic and and you're still working and still powering through, still leading your firm.
2: Yeah, it's been an interesting time. We were Mm. fortunate in that our technology was set up good for we were used to Mm. going out to clients. We were working um, paperless remotely, so it was I wouldn't say an easy transition. We had to make some tweaks, but we definitely are fortunate that mm-hmm. we were ready for that, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Very smart. Yeah. Very smart. So
1: let's talk about business owners and their financials. Mm-hmm. Right, That's always um, kind of an oxymoron when you think about it, right? <laughs> and most of the time anyway. And so hopefully we've got a lot of business owners listening to this episode because I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. First question I have for you is, What should business owners think about in terms of financial statement readiness? So when we're talking about exit planning, transition planning, we know that it takes time, two years, three years, sometimes longer, depending on what kind of transition we're after. And part of that readiness or preparedness process includes preparing your
2: financials. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, the quality of your financial information really matters as you approach a transaction, because um, your transaction's relying on the numbers. And not only, you know, what what is on your balance sheet, we call it, but what should be there that maybe isn't. Mm. Um, you know, best practice is to have what us accountants call accrual basis financials, meaning... Your receivables from the customers, they owe you money, is on your balance sheet. The amounts you owe your vendors are payables on your balance sheet. But it goes beyond that. Um, Think about a customer deposit. They give you money to work on something you aren't done. That's a liability. So identifying those types of things, getting things cleaned up, will help have less surprises as you go down the road.
1: Mm. So when we talk about like the look-back period, is it still three years, or has COVID changed that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I would say five years, really. Mm. Um, okay. and, and the further down the road we get, the less reliance will be this year. Think of the last economy downturn, and when right. we look back, it's like, mm-hmm. well, that was the year of the recession. Kick that out. So I do think that it's um, going to be more of a five-year look-back, and then- Comparing that to your projections, you know, how were you before COVID? How are you doing after we're out of this, this mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: situation we're in? Right. Well, and if a business isn't just able to survive, but they can actually thrive and prove that they have done that, you know, mm-hmm. via good, clean, normalized financials, I would think right. that that would set them apart from
2: right. another
1: company who had not paid attention or really just right. basically hung on by their toenails.
2: Right, and I think it's important to pay attention to how quick were you able to bounce back. That's going to be um, make your company less risky from the valuation side.
1: For sure. So when we talk about a business transaction... I mean, there's lots of different ways, right, that right. this can occur, right. and you and I have been spending a lot of time together, yes, we have. which is actually cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've been seeing Kyla more than I've been seeing my own kids.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. It's been it fun. has
1: been really cool. Yeah, working on um, several different um, situations with different clients, and we've been talking about tax and its implications, mm-hmm. so maybe you could speak to that for a little bit. I think sure. that's an important topic.
2: Sure. I'll try not to get too far in the weeds. This is a very, um, it, it can go. It's 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 got a lot of nuances, and there's lots of tax codes. So high level, the things sure. that I think are important for business owners to know is the type of entity you are um, will could potentially determine how you are taxed. So if you're a partnership and LLC, um, you look through to the what you're selling underneath, and it's typically. A lot more is taxed at the ordinary income rates. Sure. If you're a C corp or an S corp, um, there's two two nuances that matter. You can sell your stock, which think of it like selling your stock at Med- Medtronic. You have a capital gain going through. You sold stock, lower preferential tax rates. Right. Um, you also, if you sold as an asset sale, you're selling your um, the items on your balance sheet. Um, that would be taxed at a higher Tax rate, ordinary income rates. So it's important to know that, and not to complicate things further. But you can even have a asset sale or a stock sale and elect to treat it as an asset sale.
1: That is very interesting, and I want to know more about okay, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So it it comes down. It can be a legal thing. It, um, typically, I had a client once that. Was acquiring a company that had customer um, contracts, and they were non-transferable. So he wanted to do a stock sale, which, which you know, it makes sense legally to do it that way. But from the tax side, th- he was acquiring all of this heavy equipment—about three million dollars in equipment—and mm. because he let us know ahead of time, we talked about this alternative to um, do a stock sale and then make an election to treat it as though you acquired the assets. So he was able to write off $3 million of equipment last year. Um, And on the other side, educating the seller, he happened to have a bunch of suspended losses, and he honestly didn't care. He said, as long as I don't have to pay extra tax, I'm good with it. So it was a perfect situation for something like that. Mm -hmm.
1: So that probably doesn't come into play very often when it's best for both sides, but in that situation it was.
2: Yeah, and you know... I always like to see my clients' um, sale documents before they go because sometimes that election is buried in there, and they need to know what it means. If if they are selling, and they have the election to treat it as an asset sale, they should expect to pay more in taxes. Right. So, and mm-hmm. it's some—it's just a one-page form that goes in the return. So they need to know what they're signing.
1: Could you just um, spend a little bit of time? explaining the difference between an, a stock sale and an asset sale for the benefit of the business owners out there who are thinking about selling in the future. I think it would be, you know, just some good reasons to for and against oh, either, sure. either way. Yeah.
2: Sure. High mm-hmm. level, if you are a seller, you you want a stock sale mm-hmm. because you will have less tax. Right. Um, if you're a buyer, you typically want an asset sale because then you get to depreciate the, um, the equipment, the hard assets that you're acquiring. So, um, and, and also typically there are, um, you know, clauses if you buy a stock sale that you're not liable for their prior, um, legal items but sure. that sometimes appeals to clients as well you know right yeah
1: because you can kind of pick and choose in an asset sale right Yep. I want to buy this but I don't want to buy that right, right?
2: Yeah. yep yep yeah. yep <clears throat> mm-hmm. absolutely and another reason that some companies um gravitate towards a stock sale on the um buy side or I mean on the sell side too is if there are unions and you're worried about triggering some sort of pension liability, mm. um, just if you're cautious, a stock sale is probably the right right fit there as well. Mm. Not trying to be an attorney, but we run into these things. Oh,
1: yeah, definitely, you know. definitely. I think just like the basics, you know, for people to understand why I would want to go one way or the other. Um, sure. Does company size have anything to do with whether you do stock or asset sale?
2: It's Typically, with the smaller transactions, there's not a whole lot of um, reasons outside of taxes to do a stock sale. I typically see asset sales. Sure. But they both require you know, legal documentation. Um, mm-hmm. I, I see both ways. There's mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when we're
1: talking about other tax issues that could catch up with a business owner... Mm-hmm. kind of catch them off guard, if you will. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that there are several. So let's go there for a little bit. That sure. would be good to talk about. Sure. Yeah. So
2: the one I run into most frequently is um, seller finance. For smaller transactions, they're, they're typically seller financed. Yes. And with that, it being an asset sale, which means you got to look to the tax basis of the assets Um, And, uh, you know, to complicate it more, let's say it's an installment sale. So as you collect the proceeds, you are paying the tax. It it matches up very nice over the course of five years or so. However, if you're selling what we call a 1245 asset, like a piece of equipment and whatever um, part of the sale is allocated to that, you can't defer that tax. You have to pick it up right away. It's just in the tax code. Got it. So that could be a big number for some, some clients, so making mm-hmm. sure that they're aware to reserve funds for that is important.
1: I would think so. Yeah. Absolutely. What are some of the other things that we can get tripped up on?
2: Um, their Basis. Basis is huge. Um, mm. And not only asking your CPA what your tax basis is, but asking them how it reconciles to the tax return because that's how much money you have into the company that you have been taxed on. It comes off of your gain, and that's an important thing. It's it's such a pain to figure that out after the fact. You know. It, how do you
1: do that? I know that that's been a problem. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard it many times. But yeah, what like what do you do basically? What do you do to try to figure yeah. that out?
2: Okay, so you start out you. Um, You start up a company, you put money in, that's your contribution. Mm -hmm. Year one, you've got taxable income or loss. And I'm speaking from the pass-through entity perspective. Right, right. Um, So you've got the income, you add that to your contributions. And then if you took money out distributions, um, maybe to pay your taxes, you subtract that. And then the next year, it carries to your beginning of year, and you go through the process again. And... um, what we do is we we reconcile the basis to um, if, if it, your type of entity has triple A, it's um, on the page of your tax return that has the balance sheet, the bottom corner, we we look to that and make sure we can reconcile it out. Um, also on the individual returns, another place you can look for basis information is a form called the at risk form and it's it's summarizing that same information. A kind of nice thing is the government this year is making it required for partnerships that we disclose the tax basis on the K-1. So hopefully you're seeing that information. And if your preparer hasn't been tracking it, hopefully that information will become available to you.
1: Okay. So the government is requiring that the basis be disclosed in a partnership return.
2: Yes. Got yep. it. Yep.
1: I just wanted to repeat that in case anybody missed it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the way that we are showing it on ours, um, if when you look at your K one, the bottom left corner, it, there's mm-hmm. your capital, yes. and then there's a box to check if it's tax, or it'll say C statement, and you flip to the statement, and it'll say tax basis, hopefully. Mm. Or there's a footnote disclosing it.
1: Kind of forcing people to do it right. Right. I like right. that. Yeah. I like that.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the other things that you're seeing with you know, in in you know all of your experience in working with business owners, I'm sure that a lot of the things that trip trip us up. I say us because I'm one of them, <laughs> um, and have been for years. And and I can think of many myself, but I'd rather hear it from you because you're the professional. What are some of the things that still to this day you see that for whatever reason, no matter what, right? You're trying to the messages you're trying to convey, the things that people are learning and hearing. What could we do right, better? Where right. could we where we still have room for improvement, if you will?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, a biggie, you know, with um, the change in the government having you know more Democrats, um, we expect tax rates are going to go up in the next couple years. Maybe it'll take two years. Mm. So I'm actually telling my clients, paying some tax is okay. We're at a lower tax rate right now. It's probably better for you long term to pick up some of that income now that you've been deferring. Um, for example. Um, buying a bunch of equipment and writing it off right away—that is available to you, but it might not make sense in the in the long run.
1: Got it. So that is good advice. Don't defer income. Yep. What else?
2: Um, on the when you are selling a company, you know you want you want a fair dollar for it, and if you mm-hmm. wind up being um, seller financed, where you're more on the hook, just just make sure that the cash flow of the company. Can pay you and not only the cash flow, but assume the person who's buying your company needs to pay tax on that income first. Yes. So you've got your cash flow less what you think they'll pay in tax, net proceeds going to you, and make sure that, that that can satisfy what you're expecting.
1: So is that something, is that a service that you guys can provide when? When, say, for instance, um, let's just use the example of one of the clients that we're working on together, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's an internal sale. Is that something that you guys can do to, to help them structure? Because there's no yep. broker, or investment banker involved.
2: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. After you figure out you know the value and kind of the terms are going to be going with, mm-hmm. um, we can model it out and even use um, some fancy tax projection software to if it, to catch all the nuances.
1: Okay, and then at what point in, say for instance, a transaction would that be best to? Have happened like like after LOI, before, yeah, probably after LOI, right?
2: Just shortly after LOI. If if you're maybe a little more conservative too, um, we certainly take a peek at those things and we can refresh them easily as they go.
1: Mm-hmm. Good to know. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I'm thinking of um, two or three clients. I think that that would be super helpful for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it, it, even even when things are looking good and the business is profitable, you're right. There's so many other things that the business needs to be able to absorb and handle, right? Right. Especially right. if they're going to go to the bank and try to get a loan. Right. They've got to be able to prove that the business can sustain all of that.
2: Right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So when we look at 2021 mm-hmm. and we look at JAK as a firm with you know the fact that it's what? How long has it been around? In it? Ninety
2: years, 90? little over ninety years. Yeah, that's insane. Ninety two or ninety you three. <laughs> you'll, you'll you'll
1: definitely be there for the hundred year anniversary then, Kyla. right?
2: Yes, yes. Holy buckets! I, I better know. be invited. <laughs> right, you will be. Yeah, yeah. It's great to be part of such a legacy. Um, wow. And then just even naturally within our client base, we've been through a lot of um, generational transfers, so it's mm. it's fun to see. I bet.
1: And so when you've been through these transfers, then these particular clients that were the next gen, right? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're still with you.
2: Oh, yeah. So yeah. you're part of the family. Yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. fun. It's yeah. fun. You Definitely. know, we've some, we're on our third or fourth generation with some of our clients. It's fun to have that history where some people know our, our founder, Jack Knutson, he's no longer with us, um, as he would be very, <laughs> over yeah. 100 years old. Um, yeah. But it's just fun and to hear stories over the years. And um, it's even fun for our clients to talk about. I remember when you were the staff on my project and now you're the partner. And it's just you Mm -hmm. become so invested in each other.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How rewarding, though.
2: Yeah, I love it. I love that part of my job.
1: Definitely. So what's going to be new for the firm in 2021?
2: Well, you know, we are still in the COVID PPP um, Mm. round, I guess it's technically round three. So we've been helping advise our clients um, if we think they qualify, reminding them to take a look to see if the gross receipts dropped 20 or 25%. And the reason I say it that way is there are also retention credits out there. It's a credit on your um, payroll tax return. Um, That you may qualify. So making sure that our clients are aware of those items if they, if if they qualify to consider doing them. Also, um, another thing that we're dealing with is with the PPP forgiveness. As we know, we've it's been very public that the IRS is not taxing those funds. Mm -hmm. You know that you get to take the deduction, you don't pick up the income. But Minnesota, and you know it's an individual state choice. Minnesota is still planning to tax that for business owners Um, and it'll be about a you can figure a 10% Mm -hmm. amount Um, so making sure you know coming up to year end we're making sure our clients know and um, we Mm. we believe that Minnesota will recognize it as taxable in the tax year that the SBA actually wires the funds to the bank to relieve the debt so Mm. it's going to be a 2021 tax item for most of my clients
1: okay well that's good Mm -hmm. to know yeah. Interesting. Well, onward and upward, right? <laughs> right. Gosh. Yeah. I know you got to get back to the office because that hair's going to start on fire any time now. <laughs> but but before we uh, we close out here, of course, I have to ask, what are your two hot takeaways for our audience today, Kyla?
2: Sure, I'll touch on one from the tax side and one from the financial statement side. Um, on the financial statement side, your quality of earnings, your financials are. Are important. Clean them up now. If there's items you want to keep, um, post transaction. Buy them if you can from the company. Also, um, you know, I say, what's missing on your balance sheet? Take an income statement from the two months side by side and look for fluctuations. That could be a clue that you're missing something. Mm. An easy one to um, would be like insurance. You you pay a deposit for your insurance upfront. Well, that's not an expense right away. It's over a period of time. Right. On the tax side, you know, talk to a CPA ahead of time, I mean years ahead of time even, about a potential transaction. And the key point for my takeaway there is focus on your basis, make sure it reconciles to the tax return. Ask your preparer how, how that happens. That, that's a big piece.
1: So when we talk about talking about this well ahead of time, even mm-hmm. years, that that makes total sense to me because if they don't know what their basis is, that a lot of the decisions that they're going to be making going forward could, you know, that right could be Right, affected. absolutely, yeah.
2: absolutely. And if you're expecting a loss and you're an S Corp, you need to know your basis anyway because you can't go negative. The government won't let you deduct more than you have into it.
1: Absolutely, very good. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being here with us. Kyla, yeah, thank good you. advice. Absolutely. And uh, for all of us out there who are listening to the show, you can download this episode, of course, at the poisedforexit.com website, where we have all of our other episodes available for download. Please do share this program with your friends and colleagues and business owner neighbors. We do appreciate your reviews, and we thank you so much for subscribing. If you haven't done that already, please do so, and join us again next time.